Happy Father's Day to all you dads out there. Um, and then I just want to mention this as well. I mentioned this last week, and the Lord's been kind of prodding me, and I'm reluctantly following him in this respect, that um, I feel like I need to do a series on um, faith and sexuality. I'm like, Lord, are you sure you want me to do that? And then the Lord's like, you, you, how many think culture's leading us in the right direction in terms of uh, sexuality? Okay, I don't want culture to lead us. I want God to lead us. So I feel like the Lord is like, either culture can lead them or you can lead them and we can lead them. So we're doing that. Uh, we'll, do, we'll probably do four weeks on this subject and um, be praying for me because I, I want to do it right. Um, last thing I want to mention is um, for those of you who are maybe new to City Light Church, <clears throat> um, we do an annual foster care respite event. And if you've been part of this, how many have been part of this before in the future, the respite event? Thank you so much for being part of this. And I just want to invite um, you again, and then more of you to be part of this. Um, Sunday, July 23rd, uh, we're having this event in the afternoon after church. Uh, It's a big event for us as a church. We do many outreaches as a church, but this is the, the biggest one we do uh, of the year. It's like our big serve day. Uh, but what do we do? Many foster families uh, throw in the towel in the first year, and we don't want that. We, we want foster families to um, be established and to be encouraged and to keep going because that affects our community so much. So they, they um, suffer from burnout. What do we do? We, we have an opportunity to make a huge difference in Weld County by supporting these families. What we do is we take the kids and we watch them for a few hours and we do some fun games and there's slides here and all kinds of fun stuff. Um, and then we give the parents, the foster parents, a much needed break. And we'll give them gift cards to then go out and to restaurant and all that. So um, it's a really good opportunity. And so uh, this makes a huge difference in Weld County. So what do we need? We need lots of amazing uh, people to come serve, lots of volunteers. So, by the way, if you're not good with kids, some people are like, mm, kids, that's not me, I'm not good with that. There are many different types of jobs that you could help with. So, there's some logistics, setup, teardown, security, that kind of stuff, all right? But we do need a lot of people to help with the kids, too. Um, but due to the unique nature of this event, um, we need all of our, our volunteers to attend a mandatory uh, training event um, that will help equip you. So, Everyone say, next Sunday. Next Sunday Sunday is the training event that we need you to go to to get equipped and to kind of get on the same page. So it's uh, next Sunday from 1 to 3 p.m. Lunch and child care are provided. So if you RSVP with that um, QR code that we put up just a minute ago, um, that makes sure we get enough lunch and uh, child. we have sufficient child care. And I need to know how many high fives I need to give away on that day, because everyone's getting a high five. You get a high five, you get a high five, you get a high five. So, and I just want to be prepared. You know, I've been training for high fives. So there you have it. If you're signing up for the respite event right now, the the training event, you can ignore the lousy dad jokes I'm about to give. So otherwise you have to listen. So this is your way out right now. All right. I just found out that I'm colorblind. The news just came out of the purple. (laughs) Yes, the international symbol. Did you know, did you know your pupils are the last part of you to stop working when you die? Yeah, they dilate. (laughs) My wife asked me the other day where I, I got so much candy. I said, I always have a few twicks up my sleeve. (laughs) 
how do, how do cows stay up to date? They read the newspaper. <laughs> you guys liked that one, didn't you? Okay, now I have two Pastor Kurt originals, okay? So these, the, the anointing came upon me. And I was like, yes, I got it. So um, did you guys hear that the Denver Zoo is putting in a giant uh, ant farm exhibit? Giant ant farm exhibit. Yeah, yeah, they're really upping the ante. All right, last one. What kind of cleanse do mosquitoes like to do? A detox. For those, you need to see it. All right. Well, grab your Bibles. Happy Father's Day. I would say if, if you want to land somewhere, I'll, uh, let's go with Malachi chapter 4. We'll get there in a few minutes. But um, today I want to talk about the importance of fathers and father figures and masculine figures um, in our communities, in our organizations, in our societies, and the importance of those roles. Good fathers who represent heaven will. How many know there are no such thing as perfect fathers? Even if you had a good father, they're not perfect. They make mistakes, right? Um, even good fathers make mistakes, um, but, but fathers and the, the masculine nature is one of God's, um, part of God's recipe um, that God has chosen to help propagate a healthy society. And again, I don't know what your experience was growing up with your father. Could be good, could be bad, could be ugly. I had a sense in this service, you know, Robert mentioned um, fathers at times can be overbearing. And how many know fathers at, at times can actually do more damage than they did good, if depending on what your experience was like. But I actually had this sense in my heart that perhaps there was people here, and rather than an overbearing father, you had like a very passive father. And there's actually wounds that can come out of a father who wouldn't step up to the plate and, 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 and live the, um, the legacy that he's supposed to live. And so I believe God wants to bring healing to that. But fathers are a key and important um, part of society. So to kick this off, I have a, um, a video I want to play from um, Prager University. How many watch Prager U videos? If you don't, you should subscribe to them on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. They've got really good, really good content. So go ahead and roll that video. Are fathers necessary for all of recorded history? The need to explain why fathers are necessary would have been regarded as, well, unnecessary. It would have been like explaining why water or air is necessary. But we live at a time in which the obvious is routinely denied. There have been articles in the most prestigious journals denying the importance of fathers. The Atlantic magazine, for example, published an article titled, Are Fathers Necessary? A Paternal Contribution May Not Be As Essential As We Think. Both boys and girls need fathers. We'll begin with boys. A boy has no built-in understanding about how to be a man, meaning a good and responsible man. Male nature is wild. Most obviously regarding sex and violence. If a boy does not have a father who models how a man controls himself, he will most likely not know how to control himself, let alone want to. That's why most males in prison for violent crimes grew up without a father. 
After days of riots in the UK in 2011, quite like the 2020 riots in America, Christina Adone wrote a column for the London Telegraph, whose title says it all. London riots, absent fathers have a lot to answer for. In the column, she wrote, the majority of rioters are gang members. Like the overwhelming majority of youth offenders behind bars, these gang members have one thing in common, no father at home. There's no question that many mothers have done an excellent job raising a boy without their son's father, but common sense alone suggests that a mother simply cannot model what a boy should be any more than a man can model to a girl what a woman should be. And then there is the issue of controlling boys and their wild natures. Again, there are mothers who are able to do this. But if a boy is at all difficult, as so many are, as he gets older, most mothers will find it more and more difficult to control their son. Because unruly boys listen to their fathers much more than they listen to their mothers. Which is precisely why most violent criminals grew up in fatherless homes. They obviously did not listen to their mothers. As regards daughters, the father is the man girls learn to relate to. Without a father to relate to and bond with, there are at least two destructive consequences. First, she will not know how to choose a man wisely. She will not know how a man should treat her and she may well end up with a man who mistreats her. Second, to fulfill her desire to bond with a man, as primarily yearning in most women as bonding with a woman is in most men, she will go from man to man. Girls without fathers in their lives are far more likely to be sexually promiscuous and to begin sexual activity at an earlier age, which in turn are reasons many young women are depressed. Few women find sleeping with man after man fulfilling. Most find it ultimately depressing. Finally, fathers give both sons and daughters the thing children need most, a sense of safety and security. As much as children need love, they need a sense of security even more. And in general, moms give love and dads give security. I learned how necessary fathers are, not only by having one and being one, but by the many people, men and women, of all ages, who have told me that they see me as a father figure. I am honored to fill that role. The good news is that many men can fill it. Grandfathers, uncles, teachers, mentors, clergy, and yes, even a man on the radio. But some man has to be your father. I'm Dennis Prager. Truth. Right? Give me that water. I don't know. Anyone? Thank you. I was thinking about this this week. I was thinking about if I were the devil, how would I try to destroy a society? If you were the devil and you wanted to destroy a society, and it wasn't an existential threat from without, but a, a threat from within that you wanted to destroy it, how would you go about doing that? Based upon this video I just showed you, one of the first things I would attempt to do is to remove fathers from the home. 
when I was in this video mentioned, um, <clears throat> mentioned how fathers tend to be better at controlling unruly boys, especially uh, when I was a, when I was a kid, my parents were actually divorced when I was 10 years old. I went to live with my mom. And um, my parents still had a pretty good relationship, though, even, even though they had a divorce. And they had a common goal, which was raising uh, me and my brother and our other siblings. But I remember living with my mom, and I just had an attitude one day. And I was just like, uh, I, don't, I don't know why an attitude. Maybe she did something. But I said, I told her, I hate her. I, go, I hate you. And she was like, okay, you can't do that. My mom, listen, my mom's no pushover. My mom's a, t- a tough broad. But um, she is. If you're watching, mama, I love you. You're tough. Um, she's no pushover. But I was at this difficult age. And, um, and so, in fact, I, this is so stupid. I wrote it on a sticky note. I hate you. And I put it on her mirror. And my brother, yeah, isn't that mean? Uh, my brother was laughing. I don't know what was going, goes on. Like, I, Jesus has brought me a long ways, just so you know. So my mom calls my dad, and she's like, hey, he's doing this. And my dad's like, no, he's not. He's not doing that. So my dad comes over, and we have this, this meeting, and he's like, you've been telling your mommy hater, Yeah. And uh, you need to tell your lover. So he, he exits the room, and then she's like, well, what, what are you going to tell me? And I was like, I still feel the same. So dad comes back in the room. He's like, well, did he say he loves you? And she goes, no. And then I met the fury of of, uh, I had to come to Jesus meeting right there. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Now, did I like that in the moment? No, but listen, um, I had a dad who loved me, who wasn't willing to let me be a disrespectful little brat to my mom. And I just want to say to you dads out there, don't let your kids be a disrespectful little brat to their moms. Okay. Something about dads though. Yeah. So you clapped that. Come on. Um, there's something about dads where they just can bring order to those kind of situations. Again, as the video said, many single moms or people who had bad relationships with the father, they did a, um, they did a great job. And, and, and as we relate to our father, God in heaven, of course he can heal those wounds and he can show us what a good father actually looks like. But God's ideal plan is that there are fathers in home and the nuclear family is intact. How many remember um, Paul Harvey, the radio broadcaster, American radio broadcaster, uh, he, brought, he was on the radio from 1951 to 2008. And I think I saw yesterday, like he died in 2009 or something like that. So he, he was like a, like a year after he got off the air. So he, he did it a long time. But I want you to listen to a manuscript from Paul Harvey. This is from 1965. And it's, it's a warning to America. And it's, it's, if, it's this. If I were the devil... If I were the prince of darkness, I'd want to engulf the whole world in darkness, and I'd have a third of its real estate and four-fifths of its population. But I wouldn't be happy until I seized the ripest apple on the tree, the. So I'd set about, however necessary, to take over the United States. I'd subvert the churches first. I'd begin a campaign of whispers. With the wisdom of a serpent, I would whisper to you as I whispered to Eve, do as you please. To the young, I would whisper that the Bible is a myth. I would convince them that man created God instead of the other way around. I would confide that what is bad is good and what's good is square. And the old, I would teach to pray after me, our Father, which art in Washington. And then I'd get organized. I'd educate authors on how to make uh, literature um, exciting so that anything else would appear dull and uninteresting. 
I'd threaten TV with dirtier movies and vice versa. I'd peddle narcotics to whom I could. I'd sell alcohol to ladies and gentlemen of distinction. I'd tranquilize the rest with pills. If I were the devil, I'd soon have families at war with themselves, churches at war with themselves, and nations at war with themselves until in its turn it was consumed. And with promise of higher ratings, I'd have mesmerizing media fanning the flames. If I were the devil, I would encourage schools to refine young intellects but neglect discipline to emotions. Just let those run wild, but, and before you know it, you'd have a drug-sniffing dogs and metal detectors at every schoolhouse. Within a decade, I'd have prisons overflowing. I'd have judges promoting pornography. Soon I could evict God from the courthouse, then from the schoolhouse, then from the House of Congress. And in our, his own churches, I would substitute psychology for religion and deify science. I would lure priests and pastors to misuse boys and girls and church money. If I were the devil, I would make symbols of, of the Easter egg. I would make the symbols of Easter an, an egg and the symbol of Christmas a bottle. If I were the devil, I'd take from those who have and give it to those who want until I killed the incentive of the ambitious. And what do you bet I would get the whole state to promote gambling as a way to get rich? I would, I would cause... Um, I would cause against extremes and hard work, patriotism, and moral conduct. I would convince the young that marriage is old-fashioned, that swinging is more fun, and that what you see on TV is the way to be. Thus, I would dress you in public, and I would lure you into bed with diseases for with which there is no cure. In other words, if I were the devil, I would just keep doing what he is doing. That's Paul Harvey from 1965. How many know that a lot of what he is saying the devil did implement as a strategy, and we have seen the repercussions of that. Thank God for several um, awakenings that have happened in America since then. Uh, we're not completely off the rails because God has intervened and there has been revival, and he has worked and hasn't let us completely go. But if I were the devil, which I'm not, by the way, <laughs> I have to make that very, very clear. But if I were... <laughs> I would tear the nuclear family apart because that is part of God's original design of how he intended to be. There are things that children get from moms, from the feminine nature. And there are things that ki kids, children, get from their dads, the masculine nature. I'll tell you what fathers are supposed to do. Fathers are supposed to provide, protect, and promote. Provide. I think, I think I'm, not, I'm not saying that um, every woman belongs at home to raise kids. That's for you to decide. But I do think, as a man, I think every man should afford his wife the opportunity to stay home and raise children if that's what she wants to do. Fathers should provide. Uh, provide. Protect. Hello. That dream that Robert had that he talked about earlier. What, what was he doing? He was crying out to his protection father in heaven but as a man you're supposed to protect your family and we are also supposed to promote our family that is look into your children see what the gold is and call the gold out look into your spouse and promote the giftings and callings that they have within them not see the see fathers and husbands have gotten a bad rap because we've thought oh to lead we must you know dominate and suppress and keep it under our thumb no that's actually the opposite we're leading but through uh, servant leadership the way that Christ did and promoting our families amen 
But that's Satan's strategy to destroy a culture is to remove fathers from the home. And I would say it's working. In the Bible, as you know, God carried Israel off into captivity, into Babylon. Um, um, God allowed Israel to be carried off into captivity into Babylon. And because of they continually rebelled against God. In 597 BC, they were, they were conquered by uh, Babylon. And in 586 BC, the temple was completely destroyed. And I want to read a portion of scripture from Ezekiel chapter 17. God outlined how the king of Babylon kept control over Israel. It says this, Ezekiel 17, 11 through 14. Then the word of the Lord came to me. Say, this, uh, say to this rebellious people, Do you not know what these things mean? Say to them, the king of Babylon went to Jerusalem and carried off her king and her nobles, bringing them back with him to Babylon. Watch this. Then he took a member of the royal family and made a treaty with him, putting him under oath. He also carried away the leading men of the land so that the kingdom would be brought low, unable to rise again, surviving only by keeping his treaty. Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebuchadnezzar, his strategy was to remove fathers, remove the, the men of the land, the leading men of the land. And he understood if I, could, if I could remove the leading men of the land, the men that are supposed to be leading, providing, protecting, promoting, I can keep the land low. I could, it could be brought low, unable to rise again because those leading men, those fathers are not there. King Nebuchadnezzar understood that then and Satan understands that today. If I were the devil, I would disincentivize and demonize fathers and then alienate them from their families. I would make fathers abandon their God-given destiny to provide, to protect, to promote, to lead. I would in turn make the fatherless family reliant on a new substitutionary father, that is father government. By the way, if you're here and you've fallen on hard times, there's certainly nothing wrong with getting a hand up from the government for a season. And I'm thankful for that safety net. But there is a negative feedback cycle that demoralizes fathers and disincentivizes them to stay with their families and to be what they're supposed to be. That coupled with a system that can lead to learned helplessness and reliance on government continues to propagate a big problem. In the 1960s, Lyndon B. Johnson um, declared, uh, he he launched a a new wave of legislation and and social welfare legislation. It was called the the War on Poverty. And if you look, you can go back and look at this 1960s. Poverty had been falling basically since the Great Depression through World War II into the 1960s. And with, with the launch of the war on poverty, really it has flatlined and nothing has really changed. I understand people have been helped by that and there's probably been some good things and well-meaning people implemented those things. But one thing that happened is it, it uh, de-incentivized men from taking responsibility to provide for their families and says, well, the state can take care of them and it's given them an out. Which can be a bigger problem. What's God's remedy? How can we respond? What does he want us to do? Let's look at that verse in Malachi chapter 4. Or as I like to call him, Malachi, the Italian prophet. (laughs) It's a little bit of heresy. Nothing big. Nothing big. All right, Malachi 4, 
uh, 4 through 6, it says this. Remember the law of Moses, my servant, which I commanded him in Horeb for all of Israel with the statutes and judgments. Behold, watch this. This is something yet future. Behold, I will send you Elijah, the prophet, before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. What is he going to do? He will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. God declares here that in the last days, how many think we're living in the last days? I think we are. I don't know if we've got 10 years left, 50 years left. I'm not sure. But I do know that many things are coalescing in the Bible that indicate that we are moving and are in the last days. But God declares that in the last days, before the great and terrible day of the Lord, that supernatural grace will be released on earth where fathers' hearts will be churned towards children and children's hearts towards their fathers. This is part of the end times revival that God is going to be releasing. He says this, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. The NIV says, lest I come and strike the earth with total destruction. Here's what I want to say. The earth is cursed when fathers and children's hearts are not churned to one another. When you have wholesale, whole societies where you have demographics, you know, if you look at the demographics, every, uh, it doesn't matter if you're black, white, Asian, Hispanic, every single demographic has seen a sharp increase in fa uh, fatherlessness in the last 50 years. And when you have that kind of shift that has happened in demographics, the land is cursed. It is, it is destructive. We have seen the effects of fatherlessness on generations and how that's been propagated. Here's the deal. If you want to heal the land, you have to heal the family. If you want to bring healing to the land, bring healing to the family. If you want to bring heal culture, you have to bring fathers back and you have to promote masculinity in such a way. Now, I understand there's something called toxic masculinity, which is a word that really just gets thrown around way too much. There is toxic masculinity, but that word is being thrown around too much. Masculinity is a, um, yes, there are, there are aggressive attributes to masculinity. Yes, we want to go shoot things and eat them. I've never shot something, you know, I've never shot something eating it, but I want to. I want to. There's something in there that, that, that wants to. I've shot guns, and I used to be a butcher, so I've, you know, I've cut up a lot of animals and eaten them. But masculinity has been demonized. And if you want to heal the land, you have to understand, not just, make, not just make men weak and feminine, right? That's not the answer. The answer is not to make men weak and feminine. The answer is to promote healthy masculinity. What is that? Men who rise up, they provide, they protect, they promote. That's what we need to be talking about. It's important to note here in this scripture that it specifically says fathers in the masculine sense, okay? Notice, in the last days, we do have a father problem, and the Bible declares there would be a father problem. Why else would God need to turn the hearts of fathers to children and children to their fathers? Fathers have a special calling and anointing, and, and men in general, you don't have to be a, uh, a parent, a father in the sense that you have children. You can still be a mentor in society. You can, you can be an uncle, you can be a, a leader in your business, and still be a father in that sense. But it specifically talks about men in the masculine sense. Uh, mo a mother gap produces a different set 
of um, of problems, okay? So if you have father issues, that produces a set of problems, and a mother deficiencies produce a different set of problems. But according to the Bible, what we're seeing here is it looks to be that in the last days, the major problem will be lack of fathers. In, in uh, Malachi 4.6, almost every translation of that verse um, says fathers. It interprets it as fathers. And unfortunately... There's a couple of uh, translations that take gender out of the equation, and I personally believe that is a big mistake. Okay, Um, it doesn't say, for example, the NIV, I I mostly read the NIV, but in in this particular passage, I think the NIV misses it a little bit, because the NIV says, parents, I will turn the hearts of parents to their children and children to their parents. Now, although there would certainly be benefit to turning the hearts of parents to children and children to the parents. How I many of that's a good thing? Um, the, the, the Hebrew scripture here does not use a generic word for parents. It specifically says fathers. In fact, it's Strong's, um, in the Strong Concordance, this is the first word in the Strong Concordance, and it, it's a masculine noun, and the definition is father. It's father, okay? It's, it's not talking about mothers. It's not talking about parents. There's other words in the Bible for parents. This is important because in the last days, it appears that we will have a father disconnection. And indeed, that is exactly what we see in our culture and in our world. What is the result of this? We have an identity crisis. We have rebellion. We have anarchy. We have lack of respect for authority. Yes, authority can be abused. And yes, it has been abused. But that doesn't mean you throw out the baby with the bathwater. Do you throw out authority because some people were... Abuse your authority? No. You just find out where the good authority is and you implement that and say, honor it. Okay. This is why it says in 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5, Paul says this, but mark this. Everyone mark that. (laughs) Just put a mark next to it. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. But mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. What, okay, what do these terrible times look like? He, he doesn't talk about, um, like the book of Revelation talks about terrible times and things happening on earth in terms of like natural disasters and stuff. He says there's terrible times and he says the people are going to make it terrible. How many think that people can make things terrible? Yeah. Okay. There will be terrible times in the last name. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents. So there's authority problems there. Ungrateful. They're entitled, Right. Unholy, without love, unforgiving. Doesn't it stink to have, you know, be around someone who's unforgiving? They just never give you grace. Slanderous, without self-control. Brutal, not lovers of the good. Treacherous, rash, conceited. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. What's up with this? These people who have all these strikes against them, lovers of money, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unforgiving, yet they still maintain some type of form of godliness. What does that form look like? I don't know, but I'm, I'm tempted to say that it looks like a woke gospel, right? I'm, I'm, I'm tempted to say, yeah, yeah, you know what I'm saying? The gospel is God's power to transform the heart. How many know we come, to, we come to Jesus by grace? And it's by grace uh, through faith that you have been saved. It's not of yourself. It is the gift of God. But how many know when you come to him, you don't, 
You get to change. You don't have to stay the same because grace is available to transform your human heart so that you walk in love, so that you walk in forgiveness, so that money isn't your God anymore, so that you can honor your father and mother even if it wasn't perfect. Amen? That's what grace does to the human heart. It transforms you. There's a form, something about a form of godliness but denying its power. Maybe it's psychology and, and not the true gospel. But how much of this in the end times will be attributed to fatherlessness? I think a lot. But thank God, God has a remedy. How many know that, that as soon as Adam and Eve sinned, God had a remedy in play for them and the plan of salvation was already declared. God has a remedy in the last days that there is going to be a restoration revival. I believe God is going to pour out his spirit in the last days and people are going to get saved. They're going to get healed. They're going to get delivered. They're going to, get, um, they're going to be given purpose. But I also believe God is going to supernaturally reconnect fathers to children, children to fathers, both on the family level, but also on the cultural level. Like right now, if you use the word patriarchy, like that's a dirty word. Why is patriarchy a dirty word? Okay, yes, there have been some abuses and some misuses in the past, but what is God going to do in the end times? He's going to, he's going to reconnect fathers to the children, children to the fathers. It's going to be a restoration revival where we once again honor what's honorable about the past. You don't honor what's dishonorable, but you do honor what is honorable. Amen? I'm not saying honor what's not honorable. I'm saying there's a lot of things that are honorable, and we don't want to throw out the baby with the bathwater. So men, my, my encouragement to you men is this. In fact, I'm going to have every man stand up, whether you are a father or not, because there's a special grace and anointing on men to carry masculinity and to demonstrate the heart of Father God to this world. Men, don't forfeit your place in the family. And, and men, whether you have children or not, don't forfeit the expression of God as a father as a leader, as a provider, protector, promoter to this world. You can do that in school. You can do that at work, whether you have children or not. And just like Emily, she preached on Mother's Day a couple, um, you know, a couple weeks ago. And one thing she did that I loved is she just kind of like talked about how we're not perfect. Like we're not perfect parents. There's no such thing as perfect parents. I mean, there's a perfect father in heaven, but she just like took some of the pressure off. It's like, just try and show up and be loving and, you know, like you don't have to be perfect, man, but show up and you'll have your good days. You'll have your bad days. There's some things I try to do every day. I try to, I try to tell my daughters I love them every day. My daughter, she's 13. She, she asks me, she comes and gets me. She's like, you're going to pray with me before bed. And I'm like, I will do that as long as she will let me. And I would come, I pray with her every single night. Like there's just some, and so it's not like, that's not remarkable. It's usually not an anointed spirit-filled prayer. It's usually pretty quick, but that's something consistent over time that I want to do. And, and there's just certain things showing up and spending time with them. It doesn't have to be, let's take everyone to Disneyland every year to show them we love them. It's really just showing up day in and day out and doing, doing the stuff. We're not perfect. We have good days. We have bad days. But man, I need you to show up. Amen. So I don't want to overcomplicate it. Just show up. Provide, protect, promote, give identity. Lead with humility and Christ-likeness, but also with boldness. I think Jesus demonstrated what it's like to be masculine, to be bold, but also to be absolutely humble. In fact, Paul says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church who gave himself for her. 
washing with water the word. Jesus is a servant leader. He, he models servant leadership, and that's what, that's what leading is. So I'll conclude with this. I'm going to just pray for you, all you men, fathers. And then if you're single, never had kids, but you're an uncle, you're a mentor, you're a coach, you're an influencer, I want to pray for you. Jesus, we love you. I thank you for every man here. And we just say, yes, that's amazing. The thing God has made you and cultivated you for is good. God, would you cultivate the character and nature of God the Father, character and nature of Jesus in us, Lord, so that we can display that to this world, Lord. God, we know that there's been abuses and misuses, Lord, but, and, and God, we repent of that and, and, and we um, remove that from our minds. But God, we just say thank you that there is something you had in mind here with masculinity and men and leading. And I just thank you for that, Lord. And we just say yes to these men, Lord, that they would be bold, confident, humble servant leaders in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen and amen. All right. Pastor Leslie is going to close us and then we'll let you guys out of here. You guys are amazing. Have a great week.